happy end of 2021, the close of what feels like another fake year. In my brain, it is still 2020 and 2019 was last year. So the fact that we are about to cross the cosmic threshold into 2022 is sending me to the moon. And I figured it was an appropriate time to reflect on 2021 and maybe more interestingly, my biggest financial lessons of this year. So before we do that, I wanna tell you quickly about our sponsor today. Today's episode was brought to you by Capitalize. Let me tell you why I love Capitalize. Even as a personal finance blogger, I was searching for the word. It's like expert, no, guru, no blogger, somebody that loves personal finance, I had absolutely no interest in rolling over my old 401ks. One of these 401ks was in an unnamed brokerage firm. I'm not going to put them on blast, but the 401k did not have much in it. It had maybe, mm, I don't know, $5,000, $6,000 in it. And I had had this 401k for, I don't know, eight to 10 months, give or take. And I noticed when I went in to check on that 401k after leaving the company that I had paid over $30 in fees on a $5,000 balance that had been in the account for under a year. That's more than a 0.6% expense ratio or fee structure, depending on how you want to think about it and where those fees came from. And I knew that I needed to get that 401k out of that brokerage firm's possession because I was being charged way more than I wanted to pay to keep my index funds in that old 401k. So enter Capitalize. Capitalize is a free service. Yes, it's completely free. I know that will roll over your 401k for you. All you have to do is tell Capitalize where the 401k is, approximately how much is in it, and whether or not it's predominantly traditional or Roth contributions, they will walk you through the rest. Thank you, Capitalize, for sponsoring this episode of the Money with Katie podcast. And if you are sitting on an old 401k, just go take a peek at the fees that you're paying. And if it doesn't sit well with you, then use Capitalize. I will put a referral link in the show notes. That way you can check them out if you're interested. I will also link my full product review, just in case you wanna know a little bit more about my experience and what things were like for me when I was rolling over my old 401k. Okay, back to the show. Let's hop into lesson number one. My first and potentially biggest financial lesson of 2021 is this. If you find areas in your life where money will buy incremental happiness, just buy it. This was a huge shift for me in 2021, and I have to give credit where credit is due. A big reason for that shift was that I finally started making a lot of money. I had never made six figures before this year, and this year I think we'll be closing in over $300,000. So I think I finally felt a level of freedom financially because of my income that I had never felt before. And this year it basically got to the point where like, it started to feel silly how frugal I was being. There would be months where my income would be 
north of $30,000 and I would catch myself thinking, oh, I shouldn't go buy an iced coffee today. Like that's, that's wasteful, even though it was a Saturday morning, right? And I basically had to recalibrate what I think was a really extreme reset that happened when I became interested in financial independence by trying to look at things more rationally. Like, is it worth my time to second guess whether I should get a $5 coffee? Probably not, right? Like not, especially not if that $5 coffee is gonna impact my mood for the entire day. No, probably not worth my time and probably a signal that like, it's okay to splurge a little and maybe we need to look at that. The second big lesson that I learned this year, which is hilariously related to number one, is that lifestyle creep is very real. (laughs) And it's okay to let your lifestyle inflate a little bit, as long as, as long as you are being very intentional and conscious about those decisions. Why? Because, oh my God, it is very hard to go backward. It is hard to downsize once you've upsized. It is difficult to cut back once you've added in. So my big kind of lesson number two was you really just have to be conscious when you are adding in additional expenses and luxury into your life that like, you know, hey, if this is just a trial period, it's just a trial period or like, hey, if I'm going to get an expensive car and I'm gonna lease it for three years, like I have to understand that, hey, maybe I'm not always gonna drive a car that's this nice, but like for this period of time, I wanna see if this is worth it to me and this is like my trial test run. So (laughs) I'm gonna give you an example from my own life in 2021 that I think illustrates this really well. In 2021, we moved from Texas in Dallas where we had a two bedroom apartment that was probably 1,100 square feet and cost $1,700 a month to Fort Collins, Colorado where we rent a very nice home, but we spend $3,000 a month for it. And I went back and forth. Like I really tortured myself, you know, around this decision. And like, is it worth it? Is it not? Am I being wasteful? Am I being silly? Like, is this a mistake? And eventually I decided to do it because, you know, my husband was comfortable with it. And I knew when I looked at the numbers, like it wasn't extreme for us, but it really was a turning point, I think, in my expectations and my mm, standards maybe for my quality of life that is going to be now hard to undo. And by undo, I mean like... (laughs) I don't think I'm gonna be able to live in an apartment again because now I'm used to having a home and I'm used to like having a multiple rooms that I can be in at any one time, apart from just like a bedroom and a living room kitchen situation, which was like the all-in-one fun of living in an apartment that has two bedrooms and a, and a main room. So I think the, the, and that's a big expense, right? Like housing is a huge expense. So typically when people look at a budget that's maybe pushing it to the limit, normally the piece that's, you know, causing an issue is the housing expense because it is typically your largest expense. So this isn't like a, you know, oh, I started going out to eat more. It's like, oh, I doubled my housing expense. That is hard to come back from. And fortunately this year, the income went up too. So it didn't really 
materially impact us at all. But like it could have, you know, if one of us would have lost our jobs or let's say we're now on this track where like we have this particular expectation for how we're going to live. Uh, basically, it, it's, it traps you a little bit. Trap is maybe a strong word, but it traps you in that consumption cycle. And I know that that sounds a little bit extreme, but I, I think it's valid because it is hard to downsize. It is difficult to go backwards. So yes, while lesson number one is all about, you know, not shying away from identifying and leaning into areas in your life where spending incremental money really does bring incremental joy, lesson two kind of says, all right, well, let's put some parameters around that. Let's put some boundaries around that and recognize that lifestyle creep can be very real. And if we're not careful and if we're not intentional about the things that we're adding in, things can get out of hand relatively quickly. And once they get out of hand, it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. And my third lesson for the year financially, this one, I think kind of walks the line between being traditional personal finance advice and being something that's maybe a little bit more esoteric. But this was the first year where I felt like, I already feel like I'm quoting a Jin Sincero book. So, bear with me, people. This was the first year where I felt like money came easily to me. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it coincides with the first year that I really put effort into building something on my own and following the areas of my life where I felt called and passionate and interested and curious. And I think it really showed me the value of leaning into curiosity and maybe not necessarily even if you don't, okay, let me say that another way. Even if you don't have a particular vision for what you're trying to do yet, or, you know, the form hasn't really materialized in your mind, I think just if you've got the essence, that can be enough. So even if you don't know what it's going to be, it's like, okay, well, I knew that I was really interested in personal finance and I knew that I loved writing and sharing ideas and thinking of new interesting ways to discuss and think about some of this, you know, these personal finance topics. And even though I, I didn't really know what that was going to amount to, I just thought, you know what, I like doing this, so I'm just going to do it. And I think that that initially when I felt like money was coming easily to me through that, and, and I remember sharing with my friend Ellie at the time, like, man, it's so crazy. I just feel like opportunities keep falling into my lap. Like it feels easy in a way that other things in life did not feel easy. Like, you know, in my full-time job, I had to work really hard and I had to campaign for myself and like deal with the politics of the perceptions and the egos and whatever. It always felt like I had to hustle for every incremental salary bump and I had to really prove myself time and time again. And with, with this, it was more like, oh, this is interesting. I'm just... I'm just putting stuff out into the world and following the things that I'm curious about and like intuiting my way through it. 
and it feels like the opportunity and the income are like flowing very easily as a result of that. And at first it made me feel really, really guilty because I felt like I wasn't working hard enough or like struggling enough, sacrificing enough to be having the success that I was having, to be seeing the results that I was seeing. I was so accustomed to having to really grit my teeth and, and struggle through it. Same with like fitness instruction. To become a cycle instructor, it was a grueling process physically and mentally. And the payoff at the end, I felt like I really earned it because I had struggled and sacrificed so much to get it. But with money with Katie and with blogging and and, and kind of having this community, this platform, interestingly, that feeling was very absent. It was really fun. Things felt like they came easily. And it, it was an interesting realization when I shared that with my friend Ellie, where she was like, it's just because you are finally in alignment. Everything that you're doing right now is in alignment with your talents, interests, and innate gifts. And so, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like you're having to work very hard because when you're in alignment, things do feel easy. And that doesn't mean that you're not putting in work, but there's a difference to me between putting in the work and like struggling and efforting through something. It's the difference between that feeling of being pulled forward and pushing the boulder up the hill. This was the first time in my life where I felt like I was being pulled versus me brute force pushing and the results have just been unbelievable. So one of the big lessons that I learned in 2021 that I'm trying to take forward with me into 2022 is this idea that something doesn't have to feel difficult and horrible and scary and full of effort in order to net really great results. And in fact, when you find an area of alignment and lean into that, that's typically where you're going to get the best results and your effort's going to go the furthest. It's like you've got that that leverage or that torque because you're leaning into your unique interests, gifts, and talents. And so even though this last lesson might feel a little bit woo-woo, first of all, you should expect that by now. We keep it a little bit woo-woo in here, but I think there is just such a real application to money and there's such a real application to mindset that I think goes such a long way when it comes to earning potential. And typically I think we have these seeds planted before we are willing to recognize them or maybe able to determine or identify what they're really trying to tell us. I remember being at work back when we still went into the office in 2019, even as early as 2018, and feeling like something was missing, like enjoying what I was doing and enjoying my coworkers and really loved the company that I worked for. So it wasn't like I was dissatisfied at work, but I always had this kind of empty pull towards something else. And I, I had this feeling like I'm supposed to be doing something different. I'm supposed to be building something. And like my purpose is not to sit in this cubicle. And not that there was anything wrong with sitting in the cubicle. I liked sitting in the cubicle, frankly. Like I, I would have continued to do that. I'm technically still doing that, but just from home. But the difference was that I knew that there was some area that I hadn't, some some area of potential that, that I hadn't quite tapped yet. And I didn't know what it was. 
I had some ideas. Like, again, this is when I knew I was getting into personal finance and I was writing, but just on a personal blog, not about money. And I, I, you know, all the puzzle pieces were there. I just hadn't really taken the time to reflect and put them together yet. And I think that these things happen in, in the time that they're meant to. But I think the point in saying all of this is, even if you're listening to this right now and you're like, ooh, man, yeah, that's resonating. Like, I, I do feel like I have to work really, really hard for every dot. Like, I don't think I'm in a state of, like, alignment or flow in my work. I don't think I'm necessarily doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Take that as information and remember that you probably already have the puzzle pieces. You probably already have some semblance of an idea of what the essence of this thing is supposed to be. And discovering what the form is supposed to be is all about trial and error. There is there is really no way around it. There's no shortcut. I think there's only the questions that you can ask to get yourself closer to something that feels right. And I, I promise you, when it feels right, there will be no question in your mind. Okay, so those are my three major financial lessons of 2021. To recap, we've got... If you find areas in your life where money buys incremental happiness, just buy it. The second big lesson is maybe like a little bit of a footnote or a caveat on that one that, hey, it's okay to let your lifestyle inflate a little bit as you earn more. After all, that's the entire point of lesson number one. And it's also, I think, required for like continued motivation. But just remember that it is difficult to go backwards. So add in at your own discretion, at your own risk. And then finally, lesson number three, the money will flow most easily when you are doing something that is in alignment with your skills, talents, and interests. And I know that these lessons were more so focused on big picture things versus like, oh, I learned a new tax hack. And I, I did. I did learn important new lessons about personal finance this year that, that skew more tactical. But frankly, I think y'all get enough of that on the blog. And I think there have been plenty of podcast episodes in the last couple months where we talked about these intricate tax maneuvers and investment strategies that we've stumbled into this year. But for the purposes of a big annual reflection, I wanted to make sure that we were sticking to things that felt like they had some practical application for everybody. So I'm actually curious what big financial lessons you learned this year. And you know what? They could have been they could have been more tactical, frankly. If you're brand new to personal finance, you could have made your first budget this year and realized that Okay, lesson number one, having a spending plan fundamentally shifts the way I interact with my income and it has made the world of difference. That is perfectly valid. And I think I would encourage you to look back at your own year and say, hey, what were the big financial takeaways that I have that I don't want to forget about? I don't want to leave them in 2021. I want to carry them into 2022 with me and build on them. I would love to know. So send me an email. Katie at moneywithkatie.com. Don't be shy. Slide in those DMs, girl. And that is it for our show today, my friends. So thank you so much for tuning in once and again. Oh, and by the way, this is our last episode of season one, which is freaking bananas. I honestly started this podcast kind of on a whim. So 
not to pat myself on the back, but uh, I'm pretty pretty proud of myself for sticking it out for, what is this, 12 episodes now? So I will see you next time in season two. And hey, tell me what you wanna hear. Tell me what you're interested in. Tell me what topics you like to hear about. Tell me what stuff you're like, Katie, stop talking about that shit, we don't care. I would love to hear from you. So again, the email, katie at moneywithkatie.com. Send me your, your hopes, your dreams, your ideas, your grievances, and I will gladly hear all of them. Okay, my friends, I'll see you next year.